welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 Before learning about Aviva IQ, I used to spend so much time managing my guest communications manually. Now, with Aviva IQ's easy-to-use automated service, my workload has reduced by 80%. Did I mention it's free? Automate your Airbnb messages now at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome, everybody. Another new episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. And today, my co-host is Margot. And she's, of course... Hello, Jasper. <laughs> Hello, Margot. I was just going to introduce you. <laughs> sorry i jumped the gun margo of course is the ceo of housefully margo how's it going good it's pretty late here but i'm excited to be talking to you we had to find a common time to talk being like on very different parts of the planet it's kind of cool <laughs> yeah it's one of the challenges that comes with having a location independent lifestyle is that the time zones keep changing and in specifically Asia versus California is the worst time zone difference that there is. It's really very hard to schedule things. And you know, most of the people I talk to are in California. It's really difficult. It's 14 hours ahead. So it's either like I have to be really late or I have to be really early. In this case, you are late, right? It's like, uh, yes. 10, what is it? 10 p.m., 10.30 p.m.? It's 10.20 here, yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, for me, it's just uh, about lunchtime now. Anyway, you know, I'm glad that we found a time to chat. That took a few uh, different iterations to find the right time. Anyway, I'm here in Bangkok. I just arrived uh, a few days ago from Moscow. I'm actually moving to Taipei tomorrow, and then I'll be there for a month. So right now I'm just doing a quick visit to Bangkok, meeting up with some friends, and then I'll be in Taipei for a month. So then it'll be a little bit more like settled down. Yeah. All right. Where are you staying when you go to Taipei? I'm obviously staying in an Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying in a really cool uh, uh, Airbnb, actually. Really cool neighborhood as well for the people that have been to Taipei. It's called the Xiao Dunhua or something. Maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. But in any case, it's a really cool neighborhood with lots of like, little bars and restaurants and little shops. And it's very central. So I'm very much looking forward. That looks, that sounds great. And you won't have to take too much of a time zone change when you go there too, right? Well, no, maybe that, only that's, that's just one hour. Yeah. This is one yeah, hour. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm here in San Francisco and it's becoming summer here and that means it gets cold, which is, it's such a strange place here. I know. San um, Francisco has the weirdest climate ever. It's so strange. It's very cold and foggy today. But I got to hang out with a few of my colleagues from Blue Startups, not from the same cohort that Hostfully was in. Blue Startups is an accelerator program we were in in Hawaii. And uh, I just got to spend a little time with a few teams that are in town this week from Honolulu. And we were just talking about how crazy the weather is here. There are two travel companies called Tripidi and VR Front Desk, both great guys. And I look forward to talking to them tomorrow at Travel Tech Con. 
Have you heard of that? You're not going, obviously, because it's here. <laughs> it's a bit far. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great local tech conference here in the Bay Area on Treasure Island. And I'm really looking forward to, to going tomorrow. Awesome. Well, I'd love to hear what you learn at the conference. Always fun yeah. to hear about new travel startups. Yeah, totally. I'm actually speaking at the conference, too. So Very excited cool. to, to do that and make some connections there. What are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about the risks and benefits of joining an accelerator program as an early stage startup and just all the considerations you should think about going into it. Hostfully has been part of two accelerators, which is not totally uncommon, but we've actually been accepted into four accelerator programs. And I've spent a lot of time doing research about what we should be doing. So I thought I could bring some of those thoughts in that process to other startups and help them out. Awesome. That sounds great. All right. Well, let's get into this week's news. Let's start with a pretty extensive article that came out on CNBC. Uh, it doesn't really have like one t- particular topic. It's more like an overview of what's been going on in the home sharing ecosystem kind of with some updates about some numbers and stuff. Like mm-hmm. Airbnb has risen to top the 2017 CNBC Disruptor 50 list. And since its launch, 115 million travelers have now stayed in 3 million Airbnb listing in more than 191 countries. And Brian Chesky is hoping to one day redefine how we fly. The flight industry is another industry that they're probably going to get into in the near future. And of course, they have also recently launched their new trip service, and they've actually uh, updated it a bit. I think now when you go on Airbnb, it's really show, trying to show you like more personalized recommendations as to what you can mm-hmm. do depending on your location. They're saying that it's growing faster than the core Airbnb homes business did in its first year, which sounds like very positive. As one caveat, though, I think, well, first of all, I mean, Airbnb grew very, very, very slowly in its first year. I mean, they weren't getting any traction at all. And secondly, it's much easier, I think, to launch a secondary service if you already have I don't know exactly how many users Airbnb has, but I think it's like somewhere around like 15 million or something. I mean, if you already have yeah, 15 every- million people on your platform and then you launch a secondary service, then obviously it's going to grow faster than when you launched the original one, right? Right, right. When you didn't have anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. every. I mean, uh, you know, you're you're running a startup. You know how hard it is to get some traction going, especially at first. You know, in the beginning. Yeah, I think that was kind of a funny quote. And actually, what I think this article does really well is it starts to draw the comparisons between Airbnb and the hotel industry and kind of like brings Airbnb to be kind of a a decent-sized sibling with the other hotel really behemoth companies that are in the industry because it does some things like comparing uh, valuation and revenue between Airbnb and some of the hotels. What a few of the things that I thought were really interesting were one is that the article, I think they could have done a better job at this actually, but they talk about how Airbnb is growing, but then also Expedia's home away properties are, are growing as well. And from my perspective, and I think many others agree, like including Piper Jaffrey, that there's a lot of market growth that's going to happen that's not at the expense of hotels, but then there's a lot of growth that's happening that is at the expense of hotels too. And the hypothesis out there is that almost 50% of the vacation rental, short-term rental market is not on bookings platforms. They're like the kind of 
vacation rentals that you would find in Tahoe or the Jersey Shore or, you know, these are in the United States, kind of vacation destinations that have been around for a long time where there are rentals that are happening by word of mouth and that there's still a lot of room to grow in those markets before the hotel industry and Airbnb ever have to really face off with each other. But they don't do a great job of saying that. <laughs> but that's, that's just what I think. I mean, if you read the numbers, it pretty much shows that that could still be true. I expect to continue. Yeah. Yeah, another interesting part of the article is uh, when they talk about experiences. So the experiences have also been launched like in November last year. And apparently it's also been growing. Now, I've actually signed up to do an experience in Amsterdam and a month and a half ago, and I, I never heard back. So I don't know. And I've heard from other people that they've signed up and, and they haven't heard back. But Airbnb says that 6,000 people have completed experience submissions. 40,000 have started the process. And more than 800 hosts have met Airbnb requirements for the service. And they have now yeah. 11, 1,100 active experiences. So of the 6,000 people that have completed the submissions, only 800 have met the requirements, it seems. I just wonder right. if for some reason you, your submission doesn't meet the requirements, if they ever get back to you, because you know, I haven't heard anything. So I find it a bit odd. But anyway, they've expanded to 24 cities now. They say that more than half of the experiences are under $200, and the typical price paid for an experience so far has been $91 per person. There's been a debate, I think, going on about whether Airbnb is actually going to be able to get significant revenue from the experiences and the trips part. Mm-hmm. And Brian Chesky has mentioned that he wants half of the income of Airbnb to come from those parts of the company by 2020 or 2021. There's definitely some people who think that that's going to be a really tough call. For example, uh, you know, there's one person who quotes that scaling an experience is a lot harder than scaling a home. If you have a home, you can rent it out 30 days a month. It doesn't really cost you that much extra effort. You don't have to put in that much extra time. However, when you're doing an experience, you're putting in your time, right? If you have a normal job, like how many hours a, a month can you really do these experiences? Now, it's probably not going to be more than a couple hours a week. If you do spend more time, if you do actually like have up to like 10, 20 somebody. hours a week, then it's almost becoming like a, a job, right? Mm-hmm. Or you hire somebody else to do it, and then it dilutes the quality of the experience. Right. I'm sure that they never pass the bar. I'm a, l- a little bit skeptical as to if this experience thing can really become such a big part of the of the company i have to say i was very i was very enthusiastic when they first launched it but my enthusiasm has gone down a little bit partly because uh, you know they never go back to me on my the experience that i created <laughs> but also i've just noticed that you know i've stayed at so many airbnbs since november but for some reason i've never gone on any of these experiences now that could be like me personally it could be that I'm different from most Airbnb users, but I just kind of noticed it. Have you been in an experience yet? I have not. Like before Airbnb launched experiences though, I have done some things that are very similar. I went with my husband a few years ago to Prague and we hired a personal tour guide to take us around the city for a day and basically give us a tour of the city that was very art oriented. So we went to like a lot of major art pieces and talked about the history of the art and the rationale behind the art and, you know, what the art means today. And it was great. We got a lot out of the trip because of it. But 
I don't know if I would have booked it on Airbnb because I liked going through a tour agency to do that because I knew that they had a lot more experience and had kind of a network of people so that I could say, this is what I'm looking for. Will you please find somebody? And then they would actually personally find the person who would serve that need. Whereas Airbnb has you find the person yourself. And since this is a new service, like they, they don't have years of experience or they might, but like you don't know for sure. It's just a little bit harder to trust. So I have booked several of these types of trips in different cities where I'm like with a private tour guide for a half a day or a day. But I don't know if I would book it through a service that didn't have the kind of overhead or sort of administrative function because it brings more trust into the process. Anyway, just something to think about. I totally agree about the scaling thing. I think that that represents one of the biggest hurdles as well, which is that you can't just like put in five hours and then it works for a three-day stay. Every hour that you put in is an hour that you get paid for and the return is not as great as what you would get when you're renting your place. So, Because it's yeah. interesting. I was, I was doing the numbers a little bit and uh, you know, Airbnb is taking 20% cut out of what you're making as an experienced host. I signed up because I just wanted to have the experience. I wanted to see what it would be like. And I thought it would be fun to do. But when I when I was calculating the numbers, the return on your time is not that great. Well, if you want to have a good return, you either have to get a lot of people on your tour or you have to price it really high, which I think will probably make the chance that people will book it a lot smaller. I think the key is really to be able to get a, a group of people. I mean, you can specify what the minimum amount of people is, but still, mm. I mean, if you do like four or more, then you're probably not going to get a lot of traction. So you might have to start with like, you know, a minimum of one person and just kind of just like when you're renting out your place, when you're starting, you want to lower the price a little bit to get some momentum. Mm -hmm. And you probably need to do this with the experiences uh, as well, where you know you might have to accept one person and not really make a lot mm -hmm. for a while just to get some, uh, get some reviews and stuff. And then maybe up it to like two, three or four later. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it might even be slower going than for the rentals because I feel like it's a new thing for both the host and the guest. Whereas I feel like with the vacation rentals, like that motion has already been going on before Airbnb even. You know what I mean? Like the act yeah. of booking someone home. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely. Already that people did. But for the experience thing, like the, the act of like contacting a stranger and paying them for a service that's where you're going to spend like a really concentrated amount of time with them. Like that's a really new kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, we'll 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 see. I hope hopefully I'll I'll hear back from Airbnb at some point. Hosts, if you're anything like me, you have multiple standard messages you send to every guest. I used to copy paste those messages every time I had a new guest, but then I learned about Aviva IQ, and I'm an absolute fan. I copied my repeatable messages into Aviva IQ and told it when I want each message to be delivered. Now, all my guests get personalized check-in messages and personalized check-out messages at the exact time I want them to, automatically. I also use Aviva IQ to send a message to guests when a vacancy exists after their scheduled checkout day and invite them to stay longer. It's amazing how it's turned into free money for me on multiple occasions already. So sign up for free at www.avivaiq.com. You'll be glad you did. Let's talk about something else. Like 
this article really talks about a lot. It's a very extensive article. And they also yeah. have a paragraph about how hotels are trying to catch up with the short-term rental industry. Yes. With some innovative initiatives. You want to talk about the first one? I think it's yeah. so funny. The first one, is, it really caught my interest when I saw the picture. It's called Moxie. It's part of Marriott. Uh, yeah, it's Marriott's Moxie Hotels. It's launched in 2014. It's a line of seven mid-priced urban hotels in Europe and the United States with open plan communal spaces. Think uh, game rooms, a bar that doubles as a check-in counter. Uh, they have internet TV, mobile device to TV, in-room streaming. They're becoming a little bit more tech-savvy, uh, yeah. I guess it seems. And, you know, it's interesting because in, in Amsterdam, a lot of hotels have moved towards the type of setup, you know? I've actually stayed in a f quite a few hotels in Amsterdam because... I would come home to Amsterdam and then like uh, I would still have guests for a couple nights or something. So I would just check into a little hotel. And I've noticed that they're becoming a lot more uh, technology advanced, no longer everywhere where there's like a, a reception and there's like people checking you in and stuff. Now often you walk in and there's a tablet. The rooms often are designed in a different way, especially when it comes to like the charging your devices and stuff that have different types of outlets and USB. You can plug in uh, a HDMI cable from your laptop into the wall and then it, you can stream your stuff to the TV, all that kind of stuff. And I think that uh, Marriott is trying to do a similar thing here, but it's also the housing, the actual housing. You know, they have a brand sample hotel room that's housed in a shipping container uh, as part of their innovation lab at the Marriott International Headquarters in, in Maryland. That's pretty cool because that's obviously like must be very cheap to just buy a bunch of containers and turn them into hotel rooms. And I've actually seen a lot of housing proposals doing this as well. Like a shipping container is actually a very decent amount of space for an apartment in an urban setting. And there is even a building here right in Hayes Valley in San Francisco, which is like right in the center of the city that has stacked, I think, two or three, maybe three shipping containers. And that's the apartment building. So anyway, it, it just reminded me of that. But I think that they are trying to go kind of with this like high tech scaled back brand that if you think about it, it's just like a really competing with Airbnb in terms of the aesthetic that Airbnb is typically known for. Of course, every Airbnb is different, but the kind of high tech, modern urban feel like it's definitely there. So that was kind of interesting, along with all the services. Let's see. We talked about the scaling thing. I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because I felt like that was the best part about this article. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to talk about. I think that was it. I think it's a great summary of where hotels and Airbnb kind of stand. And I think it was one of the few things I've seen that really got into the details enough for it to be interesting. So if, if you are interested in reading about that market, go check it out. It's on CNBC and it's called, It's been a trip to 31 billion. Now Airbnb wants to remake the entire travel industry. Awesome. So let's quickly touch on some other articles that came out. There's one article that talks about how Sweden has listed its entire countryside on Airbnb, which means that they have their own little Airbnb page, basically. And if you go to this page, then you'll see a map of Sweden with all the different places where you can rent Airbnbs in Sweden. They're trying to uh, you know, give tourism uh, a little boost by making this move. And I was having a look at the different listings. 
And I just realized Sweden is a big country and there's a lot of space. Yeah. And the Sweden Tourism Board was like very upfront on that. It was like a brand partnership and they felt that it was just like a great opportunity for Sweden to show the variety and diversity of the landscape. And it shocked me too, because I always think of like Stockholm and like more populated areas. And it was just all these beautiful pictures of nature. (laughs) So go check it out. It was a really nice way to look at Sweden. Definitely brought my attention to it. So it's working. Yeah, me too. I mean, there's some uh, some really beautiful listings up there. You can directly go to the link, actually. It's sweden.withairbnb.com. So go and check it out, and then I'm sure you'll see some stuff that you really like. There's another interesting, funny little uh, article. There's an ad agency that turns its office into a crazy Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And they did this to try to get uh, Jonathan uh, Millenhall's attention, who's the, the CMO of Airbnb, because uh, apparently Airbnb is looking for a new ad agency. This company is called OH Partners, and they really like Airbnb and they want to work with Airbnb. So they did this whole thing and basically to, to draw attention to them. They hosted a 24-hour live stream as well, hoping to catch uh, his attention. They converted its office space into a spacious Phoenix penthouse suite. And it's an Airbnb listing complete with one comfy bed, fit for a brand CMO, a cold brew tap, and three disco balls. <laughs> I'm quoting this from the, from the article. So I thought that was a pretty uh, creative way to draw attention and uh, to hopefully for them to get the chance to work with Airbnb. Mm-hmm, definitely. Did you also see that article about the Luxury Japan site? I thought that was kind of interesting too, just on the lighter news side of things. Yeah, um, I, I saw it. I didn't read it, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, it says that Airbnb is launching a luxury reservation service in Japan. There are these different echelons of rooms in Japan, and I have not traveled in Japan enough to know about what this is, but it's basically like being able to book rooms in these uh, Japanese inns that are typically not available through booking platforms like Airbnb. Yeah, now I know what you're talking about. We actually talked about this last week, yeah. uh, Yeah, Rokan traditional inns. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We we briefly touched on that last week, actually. Yeah. You did. Okay. Sorry. Old news. Old New news. news. Oh. Oh. Okay. This is the last time you're invited on the podcast, Margot. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I want to go stay in one of those. It looks nice. Well, let's uh, end this podcast with a little bit of regulations news. HomeAway has filed a lawsuit against Chicago, the city of Chicago, and they say its home sharing law is unconstitutional. That's interesting that now HomeAway is kind of like joining the fight against uh, some of these regulations. So far, it's mostly been Airbnb that has led the way in terms of fighting the local uh, authorities and filing lawsuits and stuff. I'm surprised that they're doing it in Chicago versus like New York, but maybe it's because they're actually hurt more in Chicago compared to New York City or something like that. I don't know why. The regulations in New York are really tight too right now. So Maybe they think they have a better chance in Chicago. They basically yeah, say that it's that the law is like deeply flawed, fines that are based on categories that cannot meaningfully be distinguished from one another. And they also say that it violates the first, fourth, and fourteenth amendment. And then they're talking about the rules that were put into place in Chicago last summer, the rules that seeks to impose home shoring sites such as Airbnb, HomeAway, etc. They're fighting back a little bit. It'll uh, be interesting to see how how that goes. It'll be really interesting is if. HomeAway and Airbnb actually build a formal coalition where they are 
fighting a legislation together. Right, because that's what the hotels have, right? They have this whole like yeah. community. They're combining yeah, like forces. Lobbying organization. Right, um, yeah. Has a lot of money that they pay on an annual basis to support positive legislation for hotels. Obviously, they've been complaining a lot about all the recent changes in the market because they feel very threatened by short-term rentals in, in urban areas. It will be really interesting to see how this all plays out because both Airbnb and Expedia have very deep pockets and very big focus areas around policy and legislation. So it'll be right. very interesting to see how and Expedia, of course, is the owner of HomeAway. All yeah. right, Margot, we are getting to the end. Thank you for your time. Thank you for co-hosting this podcast with me today. Thanks. I hope you feel better soon. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think, think that we mentioned you were under the weather, but I hope you feel better soon. Yeah, I was, trying to, I was trying to pretend everything was going great. <laughs> you you <did> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, uh, listeners, for listening. And uh, by the way, from now on, this podcast is going to be uh, always published on Friday, which has to do with the fact that my producer needs a little time to edit the audio, make sure it's like perfect. So from now on, it'll be Monday, it will be the interviews, and on Friday will be the news episodes. So thanks for listening and see you next time. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.